Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to another edition of Affected by Altitude, a podcast brought to you by Purple Row, the Colorado Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I am your host, Skylar Timmons, and we are joined back in black again. It's our good friend, Mac. Yeah. More like back in Mac. Yes. <laughs> I mean, should we, uh, what did we all could be? But yeah, no, I'm glad to be back. Uh, you guys did a great job with uh, Kenneth last time out, but I am stoked to be back on this deal. Yeah, it's good to have you back in our world of purple row podcasting uh, and then also here as always is also our friend evan lang good morning good afternoon good evening good night whatever time <laughs> of day you might be listening to our delightful podcast edit as necessary yeah <laughs> somebody's just listening to this at 2 a.m that's the right time probably mario Ooh. hey if you're listening to this podcast at 2 a.m let us know Yes, please do Would that actually. be the France Rockies since they're on yeah. the other side of the world? <laughs> Let me hear from those boys, man. I like those guys. Indeed. I always like when they're posting stuff in French and like, I just have no idea what it's talking about, but I get the context clues. <laughs> Probably positives, hopefully. Hopefully. Hey, I've learned a little bit of French from following their Twitter, so. Nice. Ooh. What's base hit in French? I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, that's the homework for next time. <laughs> I said a little bit, not a lot. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> no, we, we we always appreciate all of those that are listening and those around the world. And France Rockies have always been good supporters of all of us here at Purple Row and on the Twitter. So it's good to, to hear always from them on the Twitters. But we got a big show for you today. Uh, lots to talk about. A lot of individuals to talk about here as, you know, we've got... Randall Gritchick to talk about was he was Max April MVP. So mm. you'll get a chance to defend your answer there here in a <laughs> second. Uh, we'll also talk about you know, Brendan Rogers turned things around since our last podcast. He started off to a hot start in May. Then in the later half of the show, we've got talking about some more pitching. Austin Gomber has been doing good and then figuring out what's going on with Herman Marquez. Cause he's been having some massive troubles as of late. Uh, but first, a little icebreaker here, as you can see in this audio medium. Here on our little call here, you guys can see I'm wearing my Big League Chew Rockies hat I got for hat. my birthday. I got the, the grape one. Uh, icebreaker here, I just wanted to ask, what's your favorite Rockies hat? You know, whether one you own or just one in oh. general. Uh, Evan, go first, I think. Uh, so I have a lot. And I, I do truly mean a lot of Rockies hats. I probably have at least 50. 
um, hats in general. Rockies, I probably have like 20 or something. Uh, I can quit anytime I want. <laughs> but probably my go-to uh, is the hat from when they first introduced the uh, Colorado Flag batting practice logo hats a couple of years back. That's probably the one I wear most often when I'm out and about. Um, I also have the purple batting practice logo on that one's really frequent. My most common hat that I wear to games is just your standard purple bill, black cap Rockies logo hat. Um, so I guess that's my favorite since it's the one I wear to almost every game. There you go. It's a solid hat, man. It's true. Your collection of Rocky swag is just about unbeatable. Mine would be, I've got this gray hat. Um, that has like their secondary logo, the, the ball flying over the mountains um, and I just like it just because I don't see a lot of gray caps worn. I think a lot of them are pretty colorful or, or just like, you know, the black and purple. So I've always just kind of worn that just to have a little different color splash. So I've had it for a long time now, sentimental value, nothing so, you know, crazy, but that's, that's one close to my heart. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a good one. I think for me, uh, it's not this one I'm wearing right now, but one hat that I always liked that I got. Years and years ago, probably when I was like middle school or early days of high school, I got one of the, I think it was like a 2010, somewhere around there, Stars and Stripes hat. Nice. So it was just red bill and then just the white cap and then the the American flag, you know, CR on the front. And I always liked that one, but then I always was wearing it and it'd get dirty from me being just a weird, gross, sweaty teenager kid. <laughs> of course. So, <laughs> As we all were. So those hats always got stiffened up and, like, hats have shrunk on me nowadays mm-hmm. where I had to boost up to a 7 and 5 eighths, and even this is getting snug already. So Evan, what size are you rocking? Uh, I usually do a 3 fourths or a 5 eighths. Yeah, for sure. I'm a 7 and 3 fourths. I find too. that the new era caps tend to fluctuate on how they fit size-wise, mm-hmm. which is really frustrating. Mm-hmm. So I very rarely buy fitted hats not in person mm-hmm. um i actually prefer and if we're gonna go into hat talk i actually prefer the flex fit because uh, flex fits are, are great the the one downside for flex fits is that they tend to get rid of the um some of the side logos because they have that stretchy material oh okay. but they just fit so well uh-huh so do you go for the comfortability or do you go for the logos i gotta go with comfort for sure I prefer the the low profile anyway of the of the flex fits. The issue with a lot of the fitted hats is that they sell out of those low profile fitted hats so quickly that I can never get my hands on one. And then last one for hat talk, real quick, just uh, for both of y'all, curved or flat rim? Curved. Yeah, I like to try and get at least a little bit of a curve in there. That's interesting. So I'm the only true flat guy, huh? Okay. That probably says something about our personalities, but I have no idea what. I just have to bend it because if it's flat, it makes it too tight on the front of my head. Sure. So that gives it some flexibility when you when you bend that bill so then it can at least fit on my forehead a little bit and I don't get a huge red mark. One of these days, we'll just do a whole hat podcast. We'll just knock it out a whole episode it'll dedicated be, exclusively to hats. It'll be like the flag. podcast. We'll be up there with the, with the shoe podcast for the sneakerheads <laughs> out there. Man, see? There's what so much untapped potential. The Flags podcast from Big Bang Theory. Oh, I wow. did. I did Throwback. get. I will say. I wanna. I wanna boast about this. I got as a gift some very cool, almost entirely purple shoes that are now my Rocky shoes. Nice, Dick Monfort. <laughs> nah, mine are cooler. Hey, got them. <laughs> Anywho's enough of hat talk. There's never enough of hat talk. How dare you? <laughs> well, speaking of hats, then. Let's tip our cap to some news transactions. Beautiful. Beautiful. (laughs) So (laughs) we had a couple of movements here in this last week. Garrett Hampson back from the injured list. Hold for applause. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eliurius Montero, uh, still trying to get that name pronunciation just right, but Eliurius Montero made his major league debut after Chris Bryant was put on the injured list with that terrible, terrible back injury. Uh, that we talked about last time. And as a result, though, with Hampson coming back and then rosters needing to cut down two spots, kind of obvious 
Result, Ryan Feltner and Montero were both sent down, and Alan Trejo was the one who ended up getting optioned down to make way for Garrett Hampson to come back. But all three of them did pretty well in you know, in their stints here on the big league roster. Alan Trejo especially had the most time. Ryan Feltner had a decent start. Montero had a good one game that he played in as the DH got a couple of hits. Um, overall, a nice showing by these guys, no, especially by Alan Trejo. And I know, Evan, Alan Trejo's your boy. Yeah, it was it was a huge bummer to see him go down, especially because he really had started the season pretty strong. So he made the opening day roster, the uh, expanded 28-man roster, and in uh, 35 at-bats, he slashed 257, 278, 371, which is, you know, not incredible, but respectable for a rookie making his first opening day roster. He hit a double and a home run, six RBI, uh, struck out eight times, walked once, nine total hits. He did overall really, really solid, and he was making some pretty good contact with the ball. Um, he had pretty solid uh, fly ball rate of about 40.7%. So he was he was getting the ball lifted, and it was honestly maybe he was lifting the ball a little bit too much, still trying to get that sweet spot, sweet spot between fly balls and line drives. But I think he did really respectably well for that first part of the season. And I think he's, he'll be back up here in the majors at some point soon, but the, the Rockies really value. And it's tough because they, they swapped him out for my boy, Garrett Hampson, who is also my boy, (laughs) but the, the Rockies clearly value the extreme positional versatility of Hampson because he'll play pretty much any spot. Yeah, and, so, and I think it's also that, that's something that like, you... Oh, sorry. It also comes part of a thing where Hampson has the seniority being on the roster longer, in the mm-hmm. big leagues longer, so it's just kind of a, a natural casualty yeah. that, oh, Trejo, you got, yeah. you're going down. More more experience, more versatility. And, and Hampson, his very first at-bat, um, very first pitch he saw, he knocked it out of the park. So It was pretty awesome, wasn't it? pretty good and then like we'll talk about in a bit but Trejo he held down the fort while Hampson was on the injured list and Rogers was dealing with a little bit of back injury held down the fort and all of a sudden Rogers turns things up a notch here in May we'll talk about in a in a in a little bit here but kind of moving on here for a second Mac you weren't here last week for our April MVPs stuff but you did you were here vicariously, or in. We mentioned him for you. Uh, but, spirit, for sure. But you chose Randall Gritchick as your position player of the month and overall MVP for the month of April. And just want to kick off the conversation here about Randall Gritchick. Why'd you pick him for April? What's been impressing you with Randall Gritchick? Totally. So I'm going to first off and say through the fu- first month and change of the season, pretty much all of the Rockies off-season acquisitions are looking pretty strong right now. Chad Cool is arguably their best starter at this point of the season. Jose Iglesias is having a very nice season at the plate with some decent, if at times a little shaky, uh, defense, which I think we were kind of expecting. Uh, Alex Colome has been a little up and down for sure, but largely fine, I would say. And uh, and then, yeah, Randall Gritchick. I am just loving what I'm seeing out of Randall so far. Uh, mentioned some back tightness uh, for him a little bit earlier on, which What's up with back tightness recently, right? Like, what's what's going on with the uh, back issues with the Rockies lineup? But we got some stats in front of us. He had, he had an even 333, or I guess an odd 333 for the month of uh, April. He had a couple long balls, 11 RBI. Uh, he has uh, Skyler Awesome with the stats put a .4 UZR. That's not going to, you know, be a gold glove winning center fielder, but he's playing a very solid center field, including making what I still believe to be the play of the year so far, uh, robbing Corey Seager of a home run in Texas to save the game for the Rockies. And I just, I really love what he brings to the table right now. He's lengthening the lineup sort of in that uh, five hole or six hole, or more recently since the uh, injury to Bryant has shelved him for the time being. He's kind of moved up recently. Is that three or four spot? He's doing a solid job in that role. I just appreciate the versatility he brings. He's looking like he is locked in right now. 
Um, we mentioned before we started recording that he's starting to find some more pop in his bat. We're seeing some more uh, home runs, some more doubles and things like that. Not, not so many ground balls. So I really, really appreciate uh, uh, Grichik's work in his new role here in the Rockies organization and the new look Rockies team thus far in the season. I thought April was a great way to start off his tenure here. Yeah, and, and I think to kind of piggyback on that, so as of today of recording, uh, May 6th, right? Yep. <laughs> but, yep. <laughs> so as of May 6th, Grichik, his overall slash line, 325, 369, 888 slugging. He's got 25 hits, 12 runs scored, 4 homers, 16 RBI. Um, he's got 19 strikeouts and 4 walks, so he strikes out a decent clip, but he's counteracting that with lots of contact as well. And you know, that's something that he's doing exactly what I hoped he would here in Colorado with a lot more regular playing time. He's not having to worry about his playing time, so he's not pressing as much. And he's just putting bat on the ball and getting a ton of contact and you know, being a productive member of that lineup, like you said, lengthening it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and like I said, like the other thing too for me is just – and and I don't know the mind of a player, obviously, as opposed to like the mind of like a fan or analyst like myself. Like, I just for me, a play like he made in Texas stays with you for a while. And that's just me. Maybe, like I said, maybe these guys are professionals; they don't dwell on stuff like that. But just for me, I see a play like that, and it's like, wow, like that is the sort of play that just like reinvigorates the guys and shows like that heart that we want all the players to have so that to me is just yet another example of of him showing his athleticism and versatility so i go on about it but yeah he has been a great addition to the rockies roster so far and uh i'm stoked to have him here frankly <laughs> well he's had a he's had a couple more fa- fairly impressive catches mm-hmm. he had a, a really good one against cincinnati the previous weekend mm-hmm. yeah man I'm, i like you know, I'm not saying he's going to win MVP or anything. Uh, we've got a lot of players in the Rockies that are playing very well right now that we kind of alluded to, and we'll talk about more in the podcast. But just for that first month of April, looking at all the new faces around the Rockies lineup and the and the pitching staff as well, he was a guy that just really, really stuck out to me. Yeah, and that and that's good. That's he's been sticking out to me too. You know, from the moment he was traded for, I've loved Randall Grichik, and he's he's proven himself mm-hmm. quite a bit here. And Evan, what have you been noticing with Randall Gritchick in his you know, first month and change of play that's really impressing you? Uh, so the big thing is his his contact. Where and when he started the season, um, he was hitting ground balls a lot. We kind of discussed on a previous episode that that's sort of out of the norm for him. Uh, but the longer the season's gone, he's starting to elevate that ball, and now we're seeing that uh, power really come to play where he is uh, tied for his second most home runs on the team with Charlie Blackman and Connor Joe for home runs with four. And while he is striking out a decent clip, fourth most strikeouts on the team with 19, you can't really complain about that too much when his on-base percentage is still 369. Mm-hmm. So he's still getting on base plenty. He's been been really solid um, pretty much wherever you put him in the lineup, and it's uh, it's really great to see where he's he's already paying dividends. He's one of the top 12 players on the team for um, B-War so far, uh, just behind Daniel Bard, Ryan McMahon, Connor Joe, Chad Cool, and CJ Crone. And, you know, he's doing exactly what we needed him to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm you know, still going to be bummed that we, we sent Rymel Tapia away because, you know, always going to love taps, but... The the trade really does seem to be working out, at least on our end, where we've gotten a solid everyday contributor. Yeah, and that that segues perfectly. You know, traded for Rymel Tapia, and you no, know, thanks to the beauty of Stathead, you know, <laughs> there's the player comparison tool, and I pulled this up for us all of kind of the the difference that we're seeing production so far from Randall Grichik and Rymel Tapia, where you no know, Grichik was. No, projected he's going to be an everyday starter for Colorado. He's going to play in the outfield. He's going to get you no know, at bats every day. Whereas Toppy was probably expected to be more so just that extra guy off the bench, fourth outfielder, 
throw him out there when we need. Uh, but Toppy is finding himself more playing time due to injuries with the Blue Jays and whatnot. But Tapia, he's batting just 212, has a 227 on base percentage, and he's slugging 282. He has one home run, no, three doubles, four RBI, and he's got 17 strikeouts to two walks. And, you know, we're kind of seeing maybe some of the same problems that Toppy is having you know, in Toronto that he had here in Colorado, where he's just, his contact's not as good. He's a high contact guy, but the contact's just still not what you'd want it to be, where he's got a 250 batting average on balls, on batted balls in play which much lower than Grichik's at 382. So it looks like, like you mentioned, a really good trade for the Rockies, as it turns out, where we're getting a lot of the pop and getting a, a big offensive boost, Aside, unlike Tapia, who is a ground ball machine, the ground ball king of baseball. Yeah, I feel bad you know, for Raimel Tapia because we all like Tapia. We all want him to be successful, but you're exactly right. I mean, there's no greater stat when talking about these two players than the one you just mentioned, that batting average on balls in play. Again, you you look at the two of them where Tapia has that 250, Randall Grichik has that 382. I mean, that's a stark, stark difference between the two of them. Even, you know, the amount of, um, of balls as you watch them. I mean, obviously I'm watching the Rockies a lot more than I'm watching the uh, Blue Jays these days, but I still catch a Blue Jays game when I can, just watch some ball, you know what I mean? And you just see the difference in the quality there at bats, where Tapia, we've known as a, as a free-swinging, um, you know, outfielder for a while, and he, I still think uh, that he's got to put these balls in play and isn't very patient, whereas one of the things I really appreciate of Randall Gritchick is just his patience at the plate and waiting for his pitch. And we talked about it many times in the past about how Rymel specifically doesn't do a great job of getting balls in the air. A lot of ground balls, and I think that's continuing right now. So hopefully he can kind of keep on, you know, working on his mechanics and getting some balls lifted. But, yeah, right now that trade's looking pretty good for the Rockies. Yeah, and for, for Tapia, right now his uh, batted ball results are actually looking generally pretty solid. Uh, he's just not really getting the, the ball into play. Mm -hmm. Um, for, for base hits, his line drive percentage is up. His fly ball percentage is up. His ground ball percentage is way, way down so far to start the season. His exit velocity is up. His hard hit percentage is up. But yet, he's still got that incredibly low BABIP. He's got that incredibly low ISO. And he's he's not really striking out that much either. He's got an 18.9% strikeout rate. That's pretty solid. But it's just not turning into results for him right now. Versus, you know, Grichik has a, a much, much higher ground ball percentage than you've ever seen him have in his career at 59.3% right now uh, with both his line drive and fly ball percentages under 20. Um, but he's also got solid exit velocity, lower normally than we've seen him have, and a decent hard hit percentage. But BABIP-wise and ISO-wise, he's just doing more with the ball right now in exchange for a slightly higher strikeout rate. Yeah, so and Randall Grichik, he's doing everything we'd hoped he would. No, and he's been a very good, surprising addition to this team. No, and, and doing a really good job there in the outfield. Like we said, he we're here for his bat. His defense is gonna be just fine. He's about on par with Tapia no, in those stats. So they're about the same defensively and what they're bringing to the table. Maybe Grichik just a little bit more with experience and everything. But that bat is what's really been his his greatest asset right now and Coors Field is helping him a lot definitely we haven't seen him slump too much on the road so far uh, so we're it's going to be interesting to see you know how he does progressing throughout the season as long as he stays healthy and everything but I think we're all agreeing that we, we're loving Randall Grichik absolutely I also like his very short pants and his very high socks <laughs> yes high socks are always great to see but his are like especially like high pants yeah, they really are. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? <laughs> and and, and Grichik, just really quick before we move on here, Grichik is one of our better hitters on the road right now, mm -hmm. uh, where in uh, 30 at-bats on the road, he's slashing 333, 394, 600, where in cores in 47 at-bats, 319, 353, 468. 
That'll play. That'll, That'll play. Oh, beat me to it. That'll play. Yep. <laughs> I do have one bone to pick with him. Uh, his Instagram profile picture is still in a Blue Jays uniform. So, Randall Grichik, if you're listening to this, you need to change that, homie. I didn't know that. He really does need to change that. When was the last time he updated his Insta, though? Oh, he's always posting stories. He does stuff all there all the time. Okay. Oh, come Inex- on, Randall. Yeah, what How dare he? Jose Iglesias changed his, so I'm just saying, Randall. Come on, buddy. <laughs> If that's the only bone we have to pick with him, he's in a good spot. Yeah, but he's doing just fine. <laughs> but moving on, a guy that we did have a bone to pick in the past, but he's really took off here in this first week of May, was Mr. Rogers himself, Brandon Rogers. After an abysmal month of April, tough start to the season, he's turned things around where in in all of May or in April – he had a batting average of .078, an on-base of .172, had 16 strikeouts. He had just four hits in the month of April. Brutal. It was brutal. But here in this first week of May, from May 1st to the 5th, uh, so excluding here the 6th, 16 at-bats, he has a batting average of .375, 375 on-base, and a .688 slugging. He's got six hits. And two doubles, a home run, eight RBI, four strikeouts, no walks. He's turned things around. Evan, what is he doing? What's Brendan Rodgers doing better that's really helped him out this week? So first thing I want to say is that his May so far, and granted it's only been a couple days, has been good enough to bring his war back to zero. Wow. Which it was Wow. It was deep in the negatives when last we spoke. And that's really great to see, and we we definitely want him to keep this going because after last year where he was so, so solid and just ran away with being our everyday second baseman, watching him slump, you could tell that he was totally miserable, and he said to himself that he doesn't even want to think about this April ever again, and I can't really blame him because it was just a whole mess of no fun. But a big thing that he's already doing is more patient at bats. And I think getting those first couple hits, uh, very first day of May versus the Cincinnati Reds really was just a tremendous weight off of his shoulders where he looks so much more relaxed Mm -hmm. in the batter's box. He's not trying to do as much. He's just sort of trying to go with the flow of the at bat, which is what he did last year. And I think the, just how much he was slumping in April was really affecting you know, pretty much every part of his game where your confidence is hurt and you're taking these at bats trying to force yourself out of the slump. And now that he doesn't really have to force himself anymore, he can ease back sort of more into taking more natural at bats, more natural swings, taking better pitches, uh, taking a more natural bat path to the ball. And it's working out so far. He looks like a completely different batter where his average is finally climbing back up. It was below one for so long. And now, you know, you don't want to cheer for 149, but in comparison to what we had seen from him before, Mm -hmm. it's just a a huge step in the right direction. And we're hoping that, you know, he just puts that April completely behind him, moves on forward, and we can see him be the batter that we know he can be. Because, like, like I've said frequently, we saw him last year be not only a solid batter in general, but one of the Rockies' best hitters on the road, uh, confident, good swing, gets on base, has good power potential, like doing everything right last year. And that's what we want him to move into doing again this year. And I think now that he's picked himself up and dusted himself off, we're going to see that happen. Yeah, and I like, no, I think a big part that helps boosting that confidence is playing against no, the one for the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, who are just I could beat them single handedly at this point. It <laughs> seems, uh, but then and then you have the Nationals, who are still a good team, but their pitching still isn't you know, super great right now. They're kind of a middle of the road team in that National League East. They come in, and he has that opportunity to to boost his confidence, get some hits, and I like what you're saying. Evan took much better at bats in those series and here in this first week. What are you noticing here about Brendan Rodgers, Mac? I think Evan nailed a lot of it, but 
part of it is just, as you mentioned, I even said this about Grichik too, like those patient at-bats. Because how many times when he was really slumping there did we see him come up in maybe a couple runners-on situation and just sort of wildly swing at the first pitch, right? Trying to get something going, just trying to put the ball in place somehow. And now he's waiting for his. We, I said this about Grichik. Like, he's waiting for his pitch, waiting for his moment uh, to put the ball in play in a place that he wants to. And, you know, I, I don't you know, know necessarily how much this has to do with his defense. But, like, I always, I also see that his defense has improved a little bit, too. We saw some shaky defense uh, in that Philadelphia series from all over the diamond, to be fair. But, like, part of it was Rodgers as well, and that was when he was really, really struggling uh, at the plate. And so I think he just looks in a better place mentally overall. And like we say, right, it's a small sample size. It could all change by the time you hear this podcast. Like, you never know. But just to see where he is at now compared to where he was shoot a week and a half ago you know what i mean like it's such a complete night and day difference i'm so glad to see it i'm hoping that he can continue on the trend i don't think he's gonna end up hitting 375 the rest of the year but just to sort of get that bell curve a little bit closer to like evan said back to where he was last season as arguably the rockies most consistent overall player yeah and and i think I think one thing that's helping him is, you know, you take him out of those pressure spots in the lineup, you know, because he started the season batting in the three-hole, roughly, or that very top of the order. Mm-hmm. And then we, as he began to struggle, slowly seeing him drop down more and more out of the five-hole and then more so towards the bottom of the lineup. And I think that's a little bit better for him. You know, let some of those bigger boppers that we have bad in that top half of the lineup and less pressure on him. Yep. Okay, uh, at the bottom of the lineup, I just need to get on base. I don't need to be the, you know, the RBI producer. I need to be the guy that's, you know, getting on base, coming around to score. And then as he's doing that, then he can be like in the YouTube, broad- become the YouTube broadcast player of the game huh. against the Nationals. That was a pretty uh, cool moment for him too right there, man. Yeah, on a big stage in one of the worst-looking broadcasts I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, he, yeah. It, it, was... it was rough. <laughs> but he hits a big three-run jack, player of the game. No, a big spot. But why was he able to do that? Because, like you guys are saying, much better plate approach. Definitely. Much better discipline. Finding his pitch and driving it to center field ends up being the difference maker to give him the lead and everything. No, just a huge, huge stuff. And it's good to see. We need Mr. Rogers. We need Brendan Rogers doing good. In the neighborhood. We need things to be good in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's good to see him turning things around, and hopefully he can carry it on and get back to hitting on the road like he was last year. 100%. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. Still plenty to talk about. We'll go on to the bump now, talk about our Austin Gomber as well as Herman Marquez. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to our Philly cheesesteak-filled second half of our Purple Row podcast, oh. Affected by Altitude. Uh, shout out to Mike Jasperson <laughs> of the Colorado Rockies, who ate roughly nine pounds of cheesesteaks on their last road trip. Just the thought of eating that many cheesesteaks in Challenge that accepted. short amount of time makes me legitimately nauseous. I could do it. <laughs> I could do it. <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, oh, you think you can beat him? I'm calling you out, Mike. I'll see you there hey, next time. I got connections through my brother <laughs> with him, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking yeah, about let's, it. Yeah, let's try and get this set up. Next time we're in Philly, oh, we're going to do the cheese right steak there. challenge, Stay and happen. we're going to, we're <laughs> Mac will fly you out there, and we'll do it live. <laughs> live on podcast. <laughs> It'll be the grossest podcast. Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> Just the sounds of there two men wolfing down <laughs> cheesesteaks. <laughs> the, uh, uh, that's the ASMR podcast. Anyways. Turn the volume all the way down oh, yeah. for that one. Turn the volume all the way up for that one. Change the subject. Uh, we could still got lots to talk about. This, guy this like, time we change, change our focus right over quick. to pitching. Uh, one, one of our other pitchers that we haven't really talked about yet this season on the podcast as much. And another that's having a rough time. Uh, so with Austin Gomber, he's really good. Herman Marquez is just having some troubles uh, that are kind of out of character that are interesting to see here in the early goings of the season. But starting off here with Austin Gomber, as we all know, acquired in the trade that sent Nolan Arenado over to the St. Louis Cardinals. We got Gomber back, 
pitched pretty decent last season in his debut season with the Rockies. But here in this second season, he's been off to a nice little start here. He's two and two, uh, three fifty eight ERA, twenty two or twenty seven and two thirds innings pitched, twenty six strikeouts, eight walks, given up a couple of home runs. He's pitched at least into the sixth inning in about four or five or three or four of his last couple of starts. He's been a really solid part of that rotation, along with Chad Cool as kind of our top two starters to begin the season. But Austin Gomber, what have you guys got on Austin Gomber and what's what's making him so successful in these early goings of the season? Efficiency. Curveball. It's the curveball. It's for me, it's just like the Rockies haven't really had I mean they've had some pitchers in the past that have messed with a curveball. And and the reason I'm putting so much emphasis on that pitch specifically is because like it's just not something they've really carried in their rotation, right? Like we know that there are guys that have thrown a curveball, right? That's that's a pitch that we have seen before, but I don't think there's been a pitcher quite like Gomber, especially in recent years, where that is his main out pitch, right? Like that is his weapon, and I think he has proven, especially recently, that it's a pitch that can work at altitude and on this staff. That's why I still get so excited um, for some of the arms that are coming up in the uh, in the system, such as Ryan Rollison, because I, I just love curveballs, man. It's just my favorite pitch. Um, but I, I'm really liking the way he's mixing it with his fastball. He's got a little slider change situation, some sort of off-speed that he can mix in there as well. And it's just keeping batters off balance. You know, there's not that much hard contact. Yeah, I know that, you know, an earned run average of 358 is not going to light the world on fire, but it's a very solid start for a guy that I think is really starting to come into his own as the number, you know, number three, four part of the pitching rotation. And for me, that's been the, the biggest part of his maturation into the start of the season is utilizing that pitch to its full effectiveness that we thought we might see uh, last year. Yeah, and you, you think with curveballs, no Rockies pitchers, they emphasize more, hey, keep the ball down, throw exactly. sliders. Those stuff will work a little bit better in altitude. Whereas, what's the big, no, big urban no fear that everyone has? Oh, your breaking balls don't work at altitude. Right. But you look at Austin Gomber; those things are breaking dandily. Well, and you think about like the the sort of doldrum days of being the Rockies fans when like we would have guys like Kyle Kendrick uh, out there on opening day, and no hate to the guy, obviously, you know, big league player that I'll never be. Like no hate at all, but like we don't have to rely exclusively on sinkers and ground balls. It's fine. Ground balls are not bad. The Rockies are turning double plays this season at a historic pace. Like, we're not going to say no to that. But with the rise of guys like Kyle Freeland and Herman Marquez and now recently Austin Gomber, you know, we're starting to see that. And, and, and Antonio Sensatel is not striking guys out that often. But in general, the Rockies are much more open to getting these strikeouts with these breaking balls. And Gomber exemplifies that with this curveball. So we don't have to rely, like Skyler just said, we don't have to rely on only getting weak contact off of ground balls. You'll get that naturally just playing the game baseball. It doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all anymore. Go to it, Evan. I like what you say about that because if you do remember back in the old days, the struggle days, where the struggle days. The past you know, almost years. everyone in the rotation <laughs> is, a, is a sinker slider pitcher. Right. Versus now we have a decent amount of variety where you know, Chad Cool lives on the sinker slider but he can also throw in that curveball. And Austin Gomber, uh, primary pitches are his four-seam and his slider. Those are the two that he's gone to the most. But if you look at the baseball savant location chart for his curveball, he is getting consistent break and consistently keeping that thing down. And it is really paying well. That curveball is great. He's getting people to swing and miss at it 38.5% of the time. And it's his put-away pitch 25% of the time. That curveball yep. is his bread and butter, and it is great. And it's when working. You, and so my favorite pitch is a slider, but when you get a curveball working that perfectly, like Austin Gombers is right now, that's exactly what you want to see. And then another Especially thing Especially in conjunction with those other pitches, too. Yeah, like he, he's, he's divvying up his pitches uh, sort of all over the place. So his primary two... Uh, are his uh, four-seam and his slider, uh, four-seam 172 total times thrown, slider 133, and then his curveball and his changeup both thrown low 60s. 
that's a pretty solid uh, breakup between all of those pitches. And another thing that he's doing really well is he's being efficient, where uh, Gomber has thrown the most innings of any Rocky starter so far. Uh, not by a ton in his five starts, but 27.2 innings. He's going out there and he's getting it he's getting it done and he's staying in the game for longer periods of time versus, you know, we'll talk about Erman a little bit later, but Erman has not made it to the sixth inning, you know, more than once in his last like four starts and Austin Gomber, he's, he's making it through. And another really, really interesting thing about Austin Gomber so far this year. So first I got to contextualize this with last year where last year Gomber was, Peculiar in that in 47 and one-thirds innings pitched at home, he had an ERA of just 2.09, and that's nine total starts. And then on the road, 14 total starts, 68 innings, ERA of 6.22. And then this year, his his ERA is definitely up on the road, though you know only two starts there, small sample size, etc. But his ERA at home is 4.91 in 11 innings. And then in 16 two-thirds innings away, 270 across three starts. So he's showing that he can he can keep things going on the road as well. He's got another road start uh, coming up during this road trip, and we'll see if he can keep that going. But the fact that he's pitching well in both both at home and away, he's pitching efficient. All of his pitches are working, especially that curveball. This is working out really well for Gambito or Blake Street Gomber or the Wombo Gombo, or whatever it is that you want to call him. Keep it going. He's doing great. And it's one of those things where it's like, no, he's not Nolan Arenado. He's a pitcher. He's a totally different player. And there's always going to be sore feelings about that Nolan Arenado trade, but this is a good reminder that we did get good value for that trade. Like, yeah, the the $50 million or whatever stings. Yeah, losing Nolan Arenado stank. It was not fun. But when you look at, you know, Elias Montero, when you look at Austin Gomber, you look at Tony Losey, you look at these guys that we got back and we're getting very strong value out of that. And Austin Gomber right now is the face of that, where he is cementing himself for the pitching rotation in really only his second season as a full-time starter. Last season was his first. And you know, he unfortunately towards the end of it with, with the injuries and just the increased workload, he got he shut down after that back injury. But I think this year is really the year to gauge things on for for Austin. It's his second full year as a starter. He's already off to a very good start, and I am I'm really enjoying watching him. And, and something that I like about Gomber that he came in, you know, last season is he didn't let come into the Rockies, come and pitch Coors Field, you know, intimidate him. Exactly. He came in, no fear. He's like, I don't care. I'm going to, I'm a fly ball pitcher or this other stuff. I'm going to pitch the way I know how to pitch. And it's worked out for him, you know, and that's going against the stigma where he didn't come in and figure, oh, I need to change every single thing about my approach that got me into the big leagues because I'm pitching Colorado now. No, your stuff can still work in Colorado. You don't have to change anything. No, maybe minor tweaks here and there, but overall, you can still be the same pitcher that got you drafted and got you into the big leagues. And he's proving that. No, Chad Cool's doing the same sort of thing. He didn't just need to make a few minor adjustments, mm-hmm. but he's doing that. And that's something when it's when the Rockies or these players start messing, getting the idea like I need to change everything about my no everything about myself in order to be successful when they're already being successful or no, fairly successful. It's those big overhauls that are getting them into trouble. Definitely. And, that, and that's and a great segue into our next subject, honestly. It, exactly. Because that's something that we're noticing with as good as Austin Gomber's been. Herman Marquez, who is you know, supposed to be, I think, a unanimous you know, thought across many Rockies fans, even media, is that he is the ace. Yes. Or supposed to be the ace of this staff. And... He had a fabulous spring training, a fantastic first start of the season. But ever since then, things have gone downhill quickly. He's made five starts. Uh, he's got another one here coming up pretty soon. Uh, he's 0-2, a 692 ERA in 26 innings pitched, 
38 hits. He's given up eight doubles, six home runs, 19 strikeouts, six walks. And like at first glance, you see some of those stats and like, no, maybe they're kind of on average in line with what Marquez usually does with a couple of those things. But it's the extra base hits, the home runs, and how hard he's getting hit and the runs he's given up that I think are concerning to a lot of us. Evan, this is all you because you had some great stats. Yeah, he's got, an, he's got an ERA plus right now of 65. It's one of the lowest on the entire team. He's given up the most home runs of the entire rotation with six. And if you look at you know his, his um, batted ball rates, in general, there's not that much out of the ordinary. His ground, ground ball to fly ball percentage, about the same. His line drive, ground ball, and fly ball rates, about the same. What really stands out is his um, his pitching ratios. His strikeout percentage mm-hmm. is way, way down. It's sitting at 15.7 right now, where his general career numbers put him in between 21 and 24. His exit velocity against is a good 3 to 4 miles per hour higher than his career norms. And his hard hit percentage against is 50.5 percent batters are just coming up and they are hitting the ball really hard against him where his slash against right now people are hitting 336 372 566 with an overall ops of 938 his uh his batting average on balls in play is 360 like they are hitting him and they are hitting him hard and they are getting the ball into play and we're seeing this really really tough period of time for him where in his last group of starts following his he had that really great start in uh his debut for for the Rockies this year against the Dodgers where he went seven innings gave up three hits one earned run five strikeouts awesome after that he has not gone a single game without giving up at least seven hits twice he's given up 10 and without giving up at least four earned runs Twice he's given up seven. And he's only gotten uh, five strikeouts wow. three times now. And and we look at Herman yep. as the strikeout guy, as the ace. And we're just watching that ERA balloon. And we're watching him get really just sort of bullied around. And it's you can tell that it's hurting him. You can tell that he knows something's up. If, if you looked at him during his last start, um, he looked defeated he looked really frustrated and and confused and unconfident against the Washington Nationals where he gave up seven earned runs on 10 hits through through just five innings pitched and that's another thing is that he's not lasting long into games in his four starts after that um that seven inning game against the Dodgers he's lasted past the he's gone into the sixth inning once and it's just you um you look at there's a an article we'll talk about in a little bit more depth for what might be wrong with Marquez is that he's uh, a a quote that of him is I've been working so hard and, and we know that he's working hard and we know that he is a good pitcher but something is just not working right now and and some of our other folks here at Purple Row are less concerned our buddy Mario is like he has slow starts and rough Aprils all the time let's see how he's doing at the end of May but. I'm having a hard time just sitting back and going, oh, let's not worry about it and see how he is at the end of May, when something clearly looks I almost wrong. wonder, and, and I have nothing to back this up with, to be clear. I don't I don't know pitching mechanics as well as people like Skyler or Justin or Kenneth do, obviously. Like, you guys are going to have a lot more uh, insight into that as I do. But, like, I almost wonder if he's, like, tipping his pitches. And, and the reason I say that is because you guys just laid out the numbers. Those are a huge contrast that batted ball percent uh being so intense when it comes to the power numbers coming off him specifically because he's not exactly getting let's be honest right like if there was a period where we talked earlier today uh, earlier in the season about how like kyle freeland had been going through it and we call it getting bay pipped to death right getting batting average on balls in played to death you know, ball sneaking through, uh, defense is just not positioned quite the right way, maybe an error, right, something that happens, whatever. That is not the case here, right? And we have talked a lot now about how Marquez is getting beat up out there. These are not seeing-eye singles. 
These are not blue pits. These are off-the-wall doubles. These are right-down-the-line doubles. These are home runs. And I almost wonder if there is something going on mechanically. I have nothing to back it up with. I have no video study. You know what I mean? But I just wonder, like, for that kind of significant change from one season to the next, or even from his career to this point, because, yeah, you know, uh, he's had a couple of rough Aprils, as Evan mentioned, but, like, these batters are teeing off on uh, Marquez, and I just wonder if there's something going on with his mechanics where he is either tipping his pitches or maybe he's flying open or whatever. I don't know. I'd have to do a lot more tape study on that, but that's just what my immediate thought goes to. Well, looking at this wonderful article by Thomas Harding, uh, it's titled, I've been working so hard, Marquez perplexed by performance. Looking through it, and it's something that I kind of noticed too, it is partly mechanics. And it's partly because he's trying to mix up a new pitch mix of including that four-seam, a new pitching strategy with his fastball primarily, where teams are teeing off on that fastball because he's just not locating it. He doesn't have a feel for it. And so he's leaving pitches over the middle of the plate, and those things are getting hammered. You can't miss middle-middle at the big league level because you're going to get hurt. And I think that's something that we're seeing with Marquez is he's just – trying and experimenting with these new things in the big league season against these big league hitters, it's not working for him at the moment. Mm-hmm. So perhaps he needs. And you look at, you look at where he's locating that fastball right now. And the majority mm-hmm. of it is and that, middle, middle. You're going to get punished that. And that's going to, I think, aid to what we're seeing with him right now. No, in my unprofessional opinion <laughs> and like analysis, I think one thing that we just talked about is instead of making minor adjustments, he seems like he's trying to make these big, huge adjustments and changes to something that's been working for him for several years now, helped him become an all-star last year. He's trying to evolve still, which is good. If you're not trying to evolve and get better, you're not doing it right. But you also have to realize if you're doing something and it's not working, to abandon that and fall back on what you know can keep make you successful and build up towards what you want to try again. And so that four seam fastball isn't working for him. So maybe he needs to go back hucking his knuckle curve and that two seam or more mixing those in so he can build up that confidence again and build up his repertoire of what he already has mm-hmm. because we know what Marquez can do. And so I think that's just like the frustrating thing for him and for everybody is well, I'm trying these new things that you no know, the team and everybody told me to do that are supposed to make me better, but it's not working. So what the heck's going on? So I can understand where why he's feeling like that, perhaps. And there are there are two quotes in this in this article from Thomas Harding that really stand out to me. And the first one is Marquez saying that I've been working so hard to fix all the little things. And then there's one from Bud Black uh saying that he's trying to do too much mm-hmm. too early and i think that speaks to me of what's really going on with Herman, and the, it's got to be affecting his confidence but it's like he's not just working to fix the little things he's overcorrecting mm-hmm. very quickly where he dove straight into the season with completely changing up his pitch mix pitch mix and trying to do things a little bit differently. And as, as Bud Black says, these kinds of adjustments take time. It doesn't happen over the first two weeks of the season. And Marquez is frustrated because he had a, he had a good spring training, which he, he hasn't had a lot of. He usually takes a bit to get warmed up in spring training. And so you look at it's a, it's, it's a mix of he's messing around with his stuff and maybe overcorrecting. He's trying to do too much too early. And even Bud Black says maybe Armand was one of the guys who got hurt the most with mm. the shortened spring training where he had less time to sort of tinker and work things out going into the season. And, you know, I'm not going to tell Armand to just completely go back to what he's doing because overall having, uh, having a plan to evolve and change your pitching style um, to continue improving, that's a great thing. And the fact that he recognizes there are some changes I need to make to be a better pitcher Excellent. 100% on board with that. But I think he needs to ease up off the gas of trying to go all in with this and just slowly start changing the pitch mix. Slowly start how he's been doing everything. Because he it really has just not worked out. And it's it's been bad for him. Where, you know, 
he he says that uh, it's not his confidence and it's not his concentration, but you could really tell against Washington that he was having a tough time out there. Yeah, and something something that maybe that I think of is you know pulling back. Oh, I'm going to use my four seamer in only these situations. Maybe this inning, I'm going to work on this pitch, you know, or I'm going to use my four seam fastball in this new pitch strategy with this guy coming up to the plate because I know he generally struggles with this type of pitch. So I'm going to practice using it on him, you know, maybe mixing it up the times when he's trying to experiment instead of, you know, even have more of a plan of attack there of, okay, I'm going to work on this here. If it's not working, okay, I'm going to ease up. I'll finish out this inning with what I know. I can try again later. You know, kind of like you're saying, Evan, not overly course correcting and just kind of you know, getting confused and, you know, the lack of preparations or something where you get start getting into trouble, but pulling back and picking, having a better plan, I think, and that kind of falls on the team as well because with their big giant R&D staff of four people, you know, that could also contribute to some things of the lack of preparation for him in trying to develop and get better. You know, it's funny, just as we mentioned spring training, because, like, this isn't really anything. It's just kind of funny to think about how, like, at the end of spring training, Chad Cool was blasted in his last uh, spring training start, as we recall. He was brutalized. Whereas, as Evan mentioned, Herman Marquez had a very strong spring. And yet, through the first month of the season, look how different their seasons have gone so far. Just interesting to reflect mm-hmm. on things like that. And it's, um, I actually took some umbrage with Chad Cool because he flat out said, uh, during his last couple spring training starts where he just got totally crushed, it was like, hey, you know, I'm just messing with some stuff and seeing what sticks. And I was like, dude, you're trying to make the team. Now's maybe not the time. But honestly, that probably was the best time for him to be experimenting with things. And we don't know how much Erman was, was still messing with things in spring training, but you know, he had an ERA of just 231 in 11 and, and two-thirds innings and gave up zero home runs, struck out 18 for his spring training. Really, really strong spring, and then really, really strong first outing, and then just mm-hmm. the huge nosedive. And and none of us want to see that. We all love Erman. He's you know, one of my absolute favorite guys on this team. He's a delightful human being. He's a really good pitcher, and we're just not seeing the best out of him right now. And I'd like to, I'd like to know, and that's unfortunately something that doesn't really get talked about in in Thomas's article. Is I'd like to know what our pitching coach Daryl Scott's doing mm. to try and help him adjust, because you know they've got to be doing something. I think everybody, both in the clubhouse and outside, if it can realize that something's not quite right. Yeah. But- so it really is just where do we go from here and what adjustments do we make for Ermon to go and resume being the pitcher, the ace that we know him to be. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, Steve Foster is still in the organization over pitching. I'm sure he's trying to, to help can help figure stuff out. You've Bud got Black, Bud Black yeah. who's been with them for the majority of his career now. You know, they have the resources around him, and I'd like to know maybe what happened between that first start against the Dodgers and his next start where things just started to, to nosedive down. Because we know what Armand can be, we know what he has been, and he he's an integral part of this rotation. Like we mentioned before, that variety, he's that power pitcher they have in the rotation, and they need him to be punching dudes out. No, bringing the gas and being the workhorse to go out and give you six, seven innings, maybe even a complete game here or there. No, he has that role in the rotation of being that power pitcher. Yeah, he is the ace. He's the guy that you want to have go out there and you're like, oh, he's got this. We don't have to worry about this. We're winning this game three to nothing, you know. I I will say one thing, and I bet Mario, uh, when he listens to this, will agree with me. He needs to throw his change up more. We know that Marquez, um, when he's on, he utilizes his changeup really well, and he's only thrown that changeup 15 times so far this year. Yeah, that got to use that changeup. That more. knuckle curve and changeup with the two seam fastball. It's a good mix mm-hmm. for him when it's on. Yeah, and now and now this year he's got that that four seamer that's really not 
hitting for him where he's he's leaving that dead center mm-hmm. so much. His slider he's leaving up a lot too. I'm looking at all of his pitch location charts and his his forcing his slider and his knuckle curve are all getting left up. Can't a do that ton. in major leagues, man. Yeah. You got to locate better and we know that he can locate better and we know he can do it. It's like off chance that he's listening <laughs> to this podcast. We do. Like, Come on. We love we you. Do. We know that you are better than this. We believe in you. But it's like the, what what is going on right now clearly is not working. Yeah. And hopefully he can have like a Brendan Rodgers type of thing where he can now start to turn things around. Forget about April, the first start here in May. Adjust and you know, go out, dominate the, the Diamondbacks and this stuff as they head out on their road trip now. You know, get some confidence there because you know, we need him and we know what he can do. We love Armand Marquez. Yes, we do. The Kaiser, as some people call him. <laughs> no. Because we need him. And luckily, the other guys in the rotation are kind of holding down the fort. And we got a good group of guys in that rotation that can help them out and, and build up each other. And so we'll, we'll see. But fingers crossed that Armand Marquez, you know, that we're having a different discussion here in a couple weeks where, oh, man, Armand Marquez just threw the first perfect game oh. in Rockies history. You know. Something like that. <laughs> that would play. I'd be cool with that. That would be amazing. But I think that's going to do it here for this ed- week's edition of Affected by Altitude. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's always a fun time hanging out with the homies. And hopefully you all enjoy <laughs> listening to our dumb banter about cheesesteaks. Cheesesteaks and, stuff, and hats. You missed us. I, I, I honestly wish we had been recording it. We were just going on and on during the ad break about commentary stuff we have deep conversations man well we'll, one of these days we'll do like a super cut of things that didn't make the podcast and we'll put them all together and people enjoy that it's just one continuous bleep it is (laughs) it really it really does end up being that with only me like you can only understand me but the the other two are just continuous bleeping it's because you're our moral compass skylar <laughs> but that's going to do it here for this episode. Uh, Mac, where can the folks find you and what are you working on? Yeah, man. Hit me up at Cormac Battle Pro, at C O R M A C Battle Pro. I'm always doing uh, the game recaps and threads on Tuesdays and Fridays. And I have a couple uh, little mystery projects I'm working on. You guys will see uh, coming out here in the next few weeks. So we'll see what happens with those. Ooh. I know, right? Got to keep them guessing. <laughs> How about you, Evan? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Evan. On, on, bleh, excuse me. You're doing great. Goodness me. Uh, at Evan underscore Lang27, I would love to hear from you. Um, listen to me complain about various things on Twitter. <laughs> and then uh, be upset that we can't watch Avs playoff hockey True. Uh, with our current cable subscriptions. And then find me at Purple Row, uh, Thursday Rock Piles. I would love for you all to check out my most recent article. Uh, went up this Thursday about Rockies minor league pitcher Luke Taggart, who went undrafted in the 2021 draft and has been an absolute gem so far in the Rockies organization. Would love it if you read that. I do game coverage on Sundays. And, yeah, lo- would love to hear from you. You can also find us at the official Affected by Altitude Twitter account, which is at Altitude Effect. And then uh, – Skyler, where can the folks find you at? They can find me on Twitter at, at sideline underscore crowd. Uh, always there doing stuff. Who knows what? Um, and then <laughs> and then over on Sunday Rock Piles on Purple Row. Always doing that fun stuff. Uh, always a revolving door of topics and things I try to figure out at the last minute. But <laughs> fun stuff. It's always an, It's always a joy writing it. Hey, it, it gets amazing. tough writing some weeks. It does. It does. I appreciate you rock pilers, man. That's hard. I couldn't do it. And then having to stay up late because Fresno doesn't start until 8.40 p.m. Mm. Right. Those are I, – I work. I tend to work late, so this is one of the rare times that works out for me where by the time I get home from work, the uh, Fresno and Spokane games have finally wrapped up. And I love our Grizzlies. I love our Spokane Indians. But man, those games go until so late. Yeah, yeah. Stop starting at seven (laughs) forty their time or something like that. Ugh. Mm -hmm. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. Too much to ask. Way to go, Hartford Yard Goats, being on the east coast. Thank you, Hartford. (laughs) 
great Hartford, game Hartford and Albuquerque usually get their games done pretty early. Yeah, it's good stuff. Anywho, that's going to do it here. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time here on Affected by Altitude. Uh, everybody, hit them with it. Oh, good. Count us in. One, two, three. Nice Fair arm. Well. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> see you next time. Ridiculous.